Hello humans, this is Brandon with episode 53 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show, the world's greatest podcast about the world's greatest heroes. They keep coming back, so I'll introduce them. As always, I've got my partners in crime with me, the amazing Rob. Oh, amazing. Oh, shoot. <laughs> that, that, that's better than anything I was going to say. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> Why, thank you. You are sensational. <laughs> and the sensational incredible... Branded. Josh. Hello, humans. He's also immortal. Yes. This week, we'll be covering Detective <laughs> Comics, number 1040, Action Comics, number 1033, Robin, number 4, Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom, number 3, Batman Superman, number 20, Infinite Frontier, number 3, Batman Secret Files, Huntress, number 1, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 1, and Teen Titans Academy, number 5. And of course, make sure you stick around until the end of each episode to hear our top three books of the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles might just make the dump list. But before we get going with the show, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month. And thank you listeners too. Like, download, and share our episodes so we get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot Podcast shows at notarobotpodcast.com. So with that out of the way, let's get into some news. So guys, what's new this week? Well, new with me, I recently had my mind changed on a topic I was very passionate about. Oh. <laughs> now, a few weeks ago, listeners might not know, but if, if you listen to the Roundtable podcast, this was brought up. So a question was asked about a hot dog. It's a sandwich <laughs> or not. And I was on the very, very Is small side that it's not a sandwich. <laughs> but one of it's the not. not a robot fam sent me a picture this week that her friend follows to a T and it details the cube rule of food. And that depending on the sides of the cube that are lit, if you will, there that are used, it can differentiate different types of food up to six different types on six different categories for some reason but i like that idea and honestly it's not a sandwich but goddamn a hot dog is a taco a taco okay okay <laughs> uh, that i could uh, that that i could that i could go with but yeah. it is most assuredly not a sandwich definitely not a sandwich. yeah i think it could go both ways honestly i like i, I i'm honestly not too too picky on it i could i, I can see the case that you could make for it being a taco or a sandwich. All right, is a calzone a ravioli? Well, I, <laughs> I, I honestly, it, it really is just like a big, big piece of ravioli if you think about it. Oh, you hurt my heart, sir. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, basically, is is that not true? It's like it's just a giant piece of, of <laughs> it's just a well, giant. The dough's piece. different. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I suppose, but like, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty similar. <laughs> All right, fine. All right. So, yeah, we had that conversation on the roundtable. Well, I didn't, but Rob was there and quite a few of our other people. We had that on the pop culture, or excuse me, the roundtable podcast, but uh, I was crazy. And mm -hmm. something else that I found on the internet today, I found it was probably way crazier than that this is nuts and so very unlikely to ever happen but so 
I guess uh, from James Gunn's mouths to ours, <laughs> he has approached Disney and Warner Brothers about doing a Harley Quinn and Groot crossover. Oh, God. <laughs> That's funny. Also That's starring amazing. King Shark, Weasel, and Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> now, admittedly, it's likely never going to happen, but he's yeah. he's put it out there. He has, he has more, on more than one occasion, he's kind of like, Pop that in their ear. What do, what do you guys think about that? King Shark, Weasel, Rocket Raccoon, Groot, and Harley Quinn. I, I think Margot Robbie's going to have a hell of a time just acting with CGI castmates. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, that sounds awesome. I'm not going to lie. Guardians of the Queen. Suicide? Suicide. Or the, the Guardian <laughs> Squad. The Guardian, Guardian Squad? squad. Yeah. Like there you go. All right. I suppose that's the best PG version of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other than that, man, I don't know if you guys have got the chance to check them out yet, but Static is frigging awesome, man. We don't cover the milestone comics that are on there because they come out on uh, in, in person in any way. We get them, but Rob has them delayed, so unfortunately, it's not fair to him. I just wanted to mention it real quick that they've got some really, really great art. And with Static, it is continuing an awesome origin story. I'm loving this just as much as I did the cartoon. And actually, it has the potential for me to like it even more. And that's really high praise. And Igon and Rocket had an awesome first issue, too. The way that they set it up was really cool, and the art is, honestly, it's phenomenal. Both of these comics, though featuring superheroes, look like they plan to stay based in the real world with real-world issues going on around them, and I can't help but think that it's only going to make the books even better. So, support Milestone, enough said. Uh, Wish we covered it on here so we could get into it, but, you know, Rob's Canadian, so Mm -hmm. blame him. Yes. Also, <laughs> I just really want to quickly say, and I promise I won't harp, because if I did, it would take me 45 minutes to stop, and that's bare minimum. I am so glad we're not covering Checkmate. That's all. I promise. <laughs> but, ooh, I'm so glad. Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Is it uh, that bad? Eh? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read that issue either. Oh, it, it just made me mad. Oh, it, it it made me really, really mad. Mm. From cover to cover. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask questions if you don't want me to start. <laughs> well, comic fans, I have uh, a bit of, of interesting news. Um, for those of you who don't know, I happen to live in the New England area, and uh, native to us is a local convention called Terrificon. Um it's a three-day event. It's at uh, the Mohegan Sun, which is a, a casino slash convention center uh, in Connecticut, and it has a pretty decent array of uh, guests coming in, namely some pretty cool uh, comic creators. Um, and I mean, just to name a few, they're bringing in guys like Jim Starlin, John Cassidy, Sean Gordon Murphy, Dave Johnson, uh, Lee Weeks, Klaus Jansen. Uh, Dan Jurgens, Tim Sale, and the one I'm definitely most excited to meet, uh, Donnie Cates, who's been a regular at the show for a couple of years now. So I throw that out oh, yeah. there. Lots of good people. Yeah, I, th- I throw that out there, humans, uh, just as a, as a bit of interesting uh, news. And also, if you 
would like the opportunity to ask any of them any kinds of questions, please you know give us a shout on Twitter or you know shoot us an email or anything like that, and I would be more than happy to ask them a question uh, as I'll be doing a couple interviews at the show and you know just getting a chance to talk to them. So um, please, by all means, if you have any burning questions that you want to ask for these people, uh, don't even hesitate to you know give us a shout on social media, and uh, I'll be happy to oblige. Yeah, we'll pass the message along because yes. this guy needs Zyrtec to just even say the word Twitter. That's <laughs> how he says social media. But um, he'll ask as many questions as he can until he feels like it's uncomfortable. Yes. So yeah. Tweet away. <laughs> not, not to make it uncomfortable right away, but if you talk to Sean Gordon Murphy, tell him I love him and he's my hero. I, I will. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it'll, it'll, I mean, I'm going to see how many interviews I can squeeze out without trying to be too annoying, but. Uh, I guess the good thing about being on the the Not a Robot show is now I have a little bit of legitimacy to it. Because before it would just be like if I was just kind of doing it for fun, they'd just be like, "Hey, I don't really have time for this or whatever." But now you know I have a show backing me, so I can uh, I can really do. play that up. Hopefully, anyway. Um, yes, listeners, please, if you have any burning questions, like I said, give us a shout out on social media. I won't see it, but. Uh, rest assured that Rob and Josh will bully me until I make sure that I ask them uh, these questions. So <laughs> He knows us so well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great detective. Uh, any other news? Uh, other news I was that I'm aware of. Getting, I was kind of reading something. So... Superman in the DCEU. There's been a lot of controversy over the years. One second, let me just bring up the article. Controversy over Superman in the DCEU? Yeah, just like casting and whatnot. So there was rumors, there we go, that I think was even confirmed that they were going to reboot superman and have him as a black superman i think we talked about this Mm. yeah and the rumors were stating that it was going to be an original character and that just lit fire to so many flames because everybody was saying what about the already existing black superman that were there that we already look up to and michael b jordan was attached to it as the rumors go well it's now been confirmed that he is attached to it but it's going to be a series on HBO Max, and it will be about Val Zod. He's Superman That's right, of I forgot Earth about two. that. Cool. Yeah. I probably won't watch it, but very cool. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, no... if it's on HBO Max, I would give it at least one, the very first episode, give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, it is I Val just, Zod. I, I'm, I, I, I've made no secret of this, but I am just so terrible at keeping up with a lot of these shows, either because I lose interest or, you know, I just... I've, I don't know. I, I have other things that I would prefer to do um, if I'm being entirely honest. Like there, uh, it feels like there are so many things that I just haven't had a chance to even catch up on. And this is not exclusive to DC. This is pretty much everything. I still haven't seen Wonder Woman 1984 or Loki. Don't bully me. Oh, wow. I just I haven't gotten around to it yet. Oh, I won't okay. bully you about any of the Wonder Woman 84, but Loki. What the? Yeah, I know. I know. I just I. It, 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 it was like WandaVision. Like, it took me a very, very long time to watch that. Not because I thought it was going to be bad. I just, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't have that 
huge interest in it to begin with. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, you know I, I wish him. It took me to watch WandaVision. Uh, I'm guessing you haven't watched it. And I don't even a single yeah, episode. Figured as much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I wish him the best. I hope the project goes well. Yeah, I hope so. No, will will. Mm. Um, I, I can talk about one more thing. It's not related to DC Comics, but I, it is related to a creator from DC Comics that interests people. Um, so. I'm sure many of you guys are familiar with Scott Snyder, uh, DC yeah. Comics writer extraordinaire, mastermind behind the Court of Owls and Black Mirror and many other DC projects. Well, a couple days ago, uh, Comixology announced a, I guess, multi-title deal with a imprint that he has or has developed over the past year called Best Jacket Press that will be shepherding eight new books, eight new creator-owned books from Scott Snyder over the next year um, in an exclusive deal with Comixology and with an exclusive print deal at Dark Horse, meaning that the books, the physical copies, will come out from Dark Horse, but they'll be released initially uh, via Comixology. Um, and That's cool. I, I, I could go through all the... Please tell me Capullo is an artist. He is, yeah. I, was, I mean, yes! I can, I can yes! go through the titles if you guys want. I can just briefly mention them, but... Um, it's basically a, a who's who of all the creators that Scott has worked with over the years that are absolutely amazing. Um, so he's got a you know a book with Jock, who he did you know uh, Witches with, and, and of course Black Mirror and uh, Francis Manipal, Justice League. Um, he's got a book with Raphael Albuquerque, American Vampire. Wait a minute, is is the book he's doing with Jock the sequel? It is not, Witches? unfortunately. It's a new oh, book. It's, it's apparently going to be more like prose focused, which I think is cool um, because I think uh, Scott is a, a, a talented prose writer as well. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's got books with, you know, a, a new book called We Have Demons with Greg Capullo. Uh, he's been teasing this one for a while, Night of the Ghoul with Francesco Francavilla. And then another book with yeah Jamal Eigel and Juan Castro, a book with Dan Panosian. I'm definitely really excited for that one. And a book with Tula Lote, who I think he did All-Star Batman with. So yeah, it's just, you know, it's I would say it's like the all-star cast of artists that he's really great with. And um I, I'm definitely excited for it. You know, I just it's I mean yeah. it's definitely a lot of books, and I don't know if I'm gonna love all of them or read all of them, but I'll definitely give them a chance. And um for any of you uh, lucky son of a guns out there who happen to have Amazon Prime, you'll know that with Amazon Prime, you will be able to read all of these books for free on release because it guarantees you that free access. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say definitely check it out when they, they start to drop. But Wait, what? Yeah, apparently. I, 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 I didn't Amazon even realize Prime. this. I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't either, but Jeff Lemire was also doing like a similar thing with a book called Snow Angels. And like I saw it in my feed and it was like, you can rent this book for free right now. It's like, are you serious? Of course. Why wouldn't I do that? Um, so, yeah. You know, if, if, yeah, they should be dropping later this year, according to uh, Snyder and his team. So, um, like I said, definitely, you know, give them a shot and, uh, and you know, tell us how you feel about them and, and all that stuff. I mean, we may cover them more on the indie podcast, but just wanted to throw that out there, given that um, I'd say Scott is a, a pretty popular creator that, I'm sure most of us uh, enjoy so that's that's all i have 
Yeah, no, I definitely enjoy some Snyder, man. Mm. I, I am so sick of the Batman who laughs. Though. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> uh, that's that's about it, man. Speaking of Batman. Yeah, speaking of Batman, excellent segue. Let's get into our books for this week, starting with our first one, Detective Comics 1040, which is going to feature our main story brought to us by Rob and a backup story featuring Man Bat brought to us by Josh. So, Rob, kick it off for us, please. All right. So, this one is from writer Mariko Tamaki, with art by Dan Mora, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters from Aditya Bidikar. Bruce has turned himself into the police. He can't have the police chasing him and Batman if he's going to do what needs to be done. An oracle promises him she will get him out of prison, and a few seconds later she gets the evidence and sends it to the police. She's that good. They still have to keep him for the weekend, though, so Monday morning he gets out and goes home in time to see his house is on fire. This was done by the Penguin, who, working with Mr. Worth, has a plan to take out Bruce and Batman using none other than, at least I think it was, Q Vile. That's the, the the feeling I got. That guy in the bed at the, at the end was vile. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's kind of vague. But yeah, I it's a good thing he has all those caves around the city because yeah. he's homeless again. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he'll bounce back, but I, I'd definitely be feeling pretty bad right now considering that's a, some serious you know property loss. Yeah. I'm assuming he was owning that place. I, I'm pretty sure those are attached homes. Are yeah. So Uh-oh. his his neighbors are pretty screwed as well. I know. There goes the neighborhood. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, Bruce. Quite literally. Uh yeah, well the, the art as always was fantastic. Especially yeah. that that uh, as I hate to say it, that house fire was gorgeous. It really was <laughs> the colors. Jordy Belair has a talent with colors. My yeah. god. And how great was that flashback? Like I, I yeah, just so seeing cool. Dan Mora draw the classic like seventies Batman you know, blue and yellow so oval good. suit. So great. I loved it. Yeah, that, that, was that, awesome, that sequence was pretty cool. Mm. But I I don't think anything's really going to come of it. It was a cool little sequence, but that guy, when he woke up sober, he seemed to forget the entire interaction. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it's a cool issue. It, it did feel like a setup issue. It was, what, the first issue of the new story arc, technically. Mm. So, it... Yep. It's not as big as the other issues have been for me so far, but I still really enjoyed it. This was an 8.5 for me, if not only for the colors and the art. It's just fantastic. I gave it an 8.5 too, man. I mean, like you said, it's looking great from Dan Moore and Bel Air. Really good. And to me, it looks like we're taking a big step forward in the story, or at least that's what we're led to believe, man. I'm gobbling it up. Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> yeah, 8.5 out of 10 for sure. Yeah, this one got an 8.25 for me. Uh, like you said, it was just more of a kind of a setup issue, bringing some of the major players together, like Penguin and Mr. Worth, and, and they're really putting their plan in place. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely on board to see where it goes, and um, I think you know the writing and art is as solid as it has been throughout the majority of this run, so I'm, I'm really digging it. But next up, we will finish our review of Detective Comics 1040 with the Man Bat backup. So, Josh, tell us all about it. Yes, sir. Written by Dan Waters with art from Max Rayner, who is really good. I'd, I'd love to see him on more titles at DC. Arif Brianto is on colors with letters from Rob Lee. This is titled The Quiet and Unsung Death of Kirk Langstrom. 
And that is exactly what it is. Throughout the years, as it's pointed out in the story here, Kirk Langstrom has repeatedly turned himself into man-bat over and over, always eventually hurting someone else, sometimes people he really loved. After turning a page while being a part of Wonder Woman's Justice League Dark, he comes to find out that he is harboring this evil within that feeds on his fear and insecurities. It lives in between the conflicting souls of Kirk Langstrom and Man Bat, knowing that that means that there's always been left, no matter how well. That gives Kirk the strength to contain the evil as he tries to escape. And by contain, I think that means pull his body back together because it looked like he was exploded. Am I wrong? Yeah, it definitely looks that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so it tries to escape. He re-envelops it. The evil within does kill Langstrom, but not before it's subdued. Man-Bat dies to save us all. And no one can ever know, or the evil within could gain strength once more and come back and kill us all. Not cool. It looks as though this isn't the end of the story because it does say to be continued in Detective Comics, so that's cool, but Man-Bat is gone, at least for now. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that was 7.25 out of 10. Fun read, really easy to look at, too. Yeah, I, I actually really dug it a lot. Um, yep. And uh, I, you know, I, I, I hope that this story gets um, picked up soon. I hope, you know, it's not just kind of forgotten. But, I mean, I, I know that Kirk is going to be in Task Force uh, Z, but, um, you know, I, I hope that we can kind of get more involving that aspect of Kirk's death and like the whole mystical thing surrounding it pretty soon so I gave this an 8 out of 10 I really I really dug it yeah I completely forgot he was going to be in Task Force Z yeah that, that, that makes sense did you say Task Force Z that is Ew. right Canadians <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> I'm just kidding Love I you. even say Dragon Ball Z sometimes oh. people oh, gross <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, no. This this was a gorgeous chapter, if not a little bit somber, because I mm-hmm. I loved Man Bat. He's as far as Batman villains go. I know he's a little bit on the lower tier, but I thought the idea of him was fantastic. I've loved him since I was a kid, and anytime he pops up, I get excited. Yeah, and he was great in Justice League Dark too. Yeah, yeah, he really was mm-hmm. good in JLD. Yeah, so I, I do wonder if we're ever going to see what happened at the Tower of Fate to mm-hmm. give him this demon parasite it's a damn shame but mm-hmm. yeah it's it's obviously not the last we're gonna see of it it's an eight out of ten for me nice all right should we move on to the next one or do you guys have any final thoughts i well um i gave the whole issue an eight out of ten as far as the types of comics goes man they just keep on hammering out wins I've seen backups falter here and there, but this one was great. Super easy on the eyes. Easy 8 out of 10 for me, man. Yeah, I can agree with that. It was an 8.25 for me. It was, it was just a solid book this month anyway. Yeah, no, this one also got an, an 8.25 for me. Um, and uh, I mean, pretty much exactly what Rob said. It was just a really <laughs> solid issue all around. Backup was good. Um, and the main story was good as well. Can't, can't complain. Nope. Oh. 
I can't. No, but moving on to our second title, we'll be looking at Action Comics number 1033. This was brought to us by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art from Daniel Sempere, colors from Adriano Lucas, and letters from Dave Sharp. Uh, So a duo of spies sneaks into Atlantis to steal the Genesis fragment only to be immediately caught by the Atlanteans who see this as an act, who see this act as a declaration of war. Not a great way to start. Uh, While the Justice League debate over how to handle the situation, given that the spies were acting on behalf of Amanda Waller, Superman is the one who steps up asking the important question of what do we do about war worlds? And in particular, how he can handle the situation. Superman declares that he is going to be the one to liberate war world, and he asks the rest of the Justice League to join them. We don't get an answer just yet, but I imagine Supes will be going on his own, given that the Authority are going to be showing up pretty soon. Back in the Fortress of Solitude, Thaulaw is testing out her powers, and John is being suspicious as usual and flies away because he's not very trustworthy of Thaulaw, while Lois is trying to warm up to her and even gives her a Kryptonian gift. Thaulaw rejects the gift, saying that she is not a child and that her chains are evidence of that fact, that her chains represent the fact that she is a warrior and that anyone who can step to her should fear her. Lois is a bit taken aback by the situation, but... We don't get a full resolution of that as we immediately cut to Warworld and Mongol, who is a bit worried that Thaulaw is forgetting her place and feels that she needs to be reminded of her true mission. That's not very good, is it? Nope. So, <laughs> as Mongol prepares to send one of his agents to remind Thaulaw of her mission, the Atlanteans and what I believe to be a shipping crew are having a bit of a standoff declaring that if one of them does not get out of the way, this will end in war. But that's right about the time when Superman should and does, in fact, intervene to stop the situation and hopefully make sure that nothing gets too out of hand. As we cut back to the Fortress of Solitude and Thaulaw is mourning over the wounded comrades that were in the war zone, Mongol's agent arrives just at that time to remind her exactly what she needs to do and when she needs to do it, only to be directly intercepted by Lois Lane, who decides and declare no, not decides, who declares that Thaulaw is one of them now, and when you pick a fight with one of them, you pick a fight with all of us. Um, I really liked this issue. Yeah, yeah. Hell of a hell of an ending. Uh, I really liked this issue. I, I just I'm continually impressed. Um, by Philip Kennedy Johnson's ability to just suck me into this, you know, story of uh, War World and now involving Atlantis and so many things, and it's it's almost like the story is growing with each issue. Normally, Dude, that, do you know what Philip Kennedy Johnson did? Do you know what he did? Uh, I do not. What did he do? I feel like this is about to be a joke or something. <laughs> he made it so that Superman wasn't boring anymore. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 I I got to say like it's been really refreshing to read a Superman story that I really like that has, you know, continually just brought in my interest and has me like excited for what's to come and I feel like the Superman books are in a really good place right now. Um, Hell yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a long time since something longer than 3 issues held my attention. Yeah, well, yeah, just it it it's you know, I, I would say it's definitely quite a departure from Rebirth when it was just kind of Clark and Lois and John on the farm, but it's still just as interesting, I would say. 
Um, oh yeah, for even sure. if it's you know, I, I, like I said, it just it's it's almost like it's growing and growing, each issue getting bigger and bigger, and it's still kind of keeping my attention. Um, and I think it should go without saying that if you pick this issue up at your local comic store or you see it on Comixology or literally anywhere else, I don't even need to Anyone tell else. you that the DCUniverseInfinite.com that that is well. I don't even need to tell you that the art by Daniel Samperi and Adriano Lucas is amazing. Literally, just look at it; gorgeous. it is so gorgeous. Colors There's are, not a better team to draw the super fam. Seriously, it is absolutely insane. And like, I mean. These guys have been bringing their A-game for a while. I mean, we saw them a little oh, while yeah. in Future State Aquaman, but it is just so great to just see them draw this book every month, and I, I love it. So I gave this one an, an 8.5 out of 10. It's, like I said, it just, it, it, I started with, you know, some decent interest on this run, and it's just continued to Im- improve. Mm-hmm. I, I- definitely agree like you guys said it all it's it's a gorgeous book and and yeah superman's in a great place i i'm so excited for the way this is going shit's mm-hmm. getting real in this book and i love it i my only thing i can think about is though based on what lois said earlier in the book her face is going to be so red when clark doesn't come back oh yeah oh boy <laughs> that won't be good <laughs> yeah, i do have to say though and I, I i want your guys's input um I honestly think Sam Perry, I'll have to like look and see what other versions look like, but I honestly think Sam Perry's version of Mongol might be my favorite. It looks so good. It does. It, you know, it really does. It really does. And while I can't sit there and flip through a memory Rolodex of every iteration of Mongol, <laughs> um, I can say that it just, it really does look amazing. Yeah. I can't, there's really very few things to complain about in the art whatsoever in this book. Mm-hmm. Good luck finding something. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of any right now. Me either. <laughs> I gotta just so, um, say. No, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Uh, at least for at least when the MCU, a lot of geeks I know talk about when it comes to DC versus Marvel, they can, they compare Thanos to Darkseid. But if I may, Thanos is DC counterpart of Mongol. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. They're a lot that, closer. It in, makes more sense to say that. Yeah. yeah. At least in Origin, I think they're a lot closer. Yeah, and... plus, you know, Thanos is kind of like nature of, of... Well, he's not really an Eternal anymore, but he was born to Eternals. Um, and uh, Mongol's nature of basically just, you know, having a child that like looks exactly the same and acts exactly the same. So he's almost like this self-perpetuating, you know, person who... Even though each one is like a, a new version, it's it's basically the same. I'd say they're they're similar in that way too. Yeah. 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 However, Thanos Thanos is after balance in the world and Mongol is after violence and domination. Yeah, their their motivations yeah. are a little different, I guess. Well, um, but... Dark sides is just to undo everything that's alive. So. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he's like Thanos do the extreme. Yeah, just I guess his thing. Well, I, I always saw his thing is more like domination, like because that's why he wants the anti life equation, so you can just submit people to your will, um, or whatever the anti life equation actually does that week. Who knows? Um, right. <laughs> so hey, before we hop off of this one, guys. I don't know if I trust these so-called refugees. I don't know if they'll be on the good side of things by the end of this. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I trust them either. Yeah. Here, look, I'm thinking 
Superman decides to go to War World because they do end up being bad guys, mm-hmm. but he believes it's only because of the conditioning that the people there who live that the people who live there go through. So he has no choice but to attack them. I think that's a pretty think, fair guess. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's that's what I'm assuming. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I'll, I gave it an eight out of ten, though. Nice. I thought you need to go higher than that. Mm. It was eight point seven five for me, but the art was just fantastic. Oh yeah, it's just so cool. Yeah. Just I could I could gush about it so much. But moving on, we'll go to our backup story featuring Midnighter. So, Rob, take it away, my man. All right. So this is from Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad with art by Michael Avon Oming and colors by Taki Soma with letters from Dave Sharp. A Mr. Miracle is freeing himself just in time for Midnighter to rescue him, so I guess it all worked out. Midnighter is very violent, as we all know, which Mr. Miracle seems Mm -hmm. to have a problem with, but after a hammer toss save during a team-up fight against Trojan security, that sways him around. Andre Trojan is watching this happen, and he's very angry, which makes him more angry because he thought he was past those base emotions. To finish Midnighter off, he sends out his new weapon army of machine man hybrids. And quite honestly, I was feeling it throughout the entire issue, but that last page really made me feel like the story started to turn in like a episode of Venture Bros. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Just to confirm that Rob watches Venture Bros like made my day. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Did you assume he watched Venture Bros? I, I didn't know, but I I, oh, yeah. I love it. I, I love it now. I haven't watched all of it, but I have <laughs> seen some. I was I was more on Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. But I'm still convinced this is the story to read for Infinite Frontier. Besides the the six issue main story going on with the event, I really think when it comes to tie-ins with Future State, this is the one to watch. This it really does feel like this is what's going to change at least what was going on in what was it the uh, World Superman World at War. This this whole thing was taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it could tie into that and it could change everything. It really could butterfly effect. You never yeah. know. I mean, everything is definitely being woven together. So, mm-hmm. I'm I'm with you on that one for yeah. sure. Um, this was good, and I'm looking forward to the annual. Yeah, it's gonna be so good. There's still still a couple, at least maybe one more chapter in the story before the annual, or two more. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, it's one or two. Yeah, one of one <laughs> one of the two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is fantastic. Michael Avon Oming, his art has been consistent, and it is, I'll say it's an acquired taste, because it's a bit cartoony, but I think it works really well with this story. Yeah, I'm not I, a fan of his art style, and I don't even care anymore. This, it, the art style has, it's just, I've come to appreciate it, because it just matches what's mm-hmm. going on here. And that's not to say that a cartoon should be exceptionally violent, but hey, I'm a fan of Archer too, so you know, what the hell. <laughs> yeah. It, it it really works for me. The one thing that I'm curious about is on that last page, what the hell is up with those weird ass Krang vehicles? Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Krang <laughs> isn't that the thing from Teenage Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the little oh, head, yeah. you yeah. know, in, in the robot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what that reminded me. I'm like, Krang? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Especially man. the dude with the purple visor up there, because that looks like the top part of the robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this was a fun one, though, and the story's just gotten so good. It got, you know, it's a backup, so it drops down a little bit, but 7 out of 10. Yeah, I gave this one a 7.5 out of 10. It was just, like, you know, kind of a solid installment in the Midnighter story so far. Can't really complain, and Mr. Miracle is cool, so you know, just uh, a solid job all around. Yep. Yeah, it was a, all around. Uh, eight out of ten oh. for the backup for me. It, only just because I had so much fun with this one. This might have mm. been my favorite part of the entire story. Oh yeah, yeah. Eight out of ten, all for the whole book for me. It was the, the book as a whole is just pretty damn good, and it consistently stays that way. Yeah, mm. can't complain about action comics. Nope. I, it's so weird to say that. <laughs> it's very nice to say that, though. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. I think that's it, man. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next book, then. Next up, we have Robin, number four. And this issue was brought to us by writer Joshua Williamson with art from Jorge Corona, colors from Luis Guerrero, and letters from Troy Pateri. If the last issue was about Damien making friends, this issue is all about Damien learning the way of the Zen. That's pretty much the entire issue, uh, as Damien takes a little time to heal with his grandpa on an island close to Lazarus Island, but away from the other fighters. We get more shenanigans on Lazarus Island as Ravager tries to find Damien and calls for help before she is finally killed by Respawn, who knows that her death will finally begin the tournament. Uh, After Roz fills Damien in on how he ended up on the island, gives some vague info on the League of Lazarus and his connections to it and his new Zen outlook on life, Damien decides it's time to get some answers. After doing some surveillance on a meetup between the League of Lazarus and Assassins on Corto Maltese, Damien realizes he's not alone anymore as he is being followed by some old acquaintances to put it lightly. After all, when a Robin goes rogue, what else can you do but have a Robin reunion? Or is it a rumble? I guess we'll have to find out next month. Um, It's a Robin roundup. Yeah, Robin roundup. Um, (laughs) uh, This issue is... I'm loving this series so much. Uh, It's just so much fun to read, like, every month. Um, It really is. And, like, I just... I I don't know if you guys are reading Batman and the Outsiders, but... um, I freaking love this resolution for Ra's al Ghul because um, that that whole thing was like this big anthemic moment where he you know was basically trying to use some alien technology got from Lex Luthor to you know manipulate the world and I I just love this idea that like he basically got so embarrassed by Black Lightning and Batman and the other outsiders he's just like you know what I just want a vacation like screw this I just I just need some me time I'm just gonna go right. like be on an island and fish and grow out my beard and just like relax for a little bit and, and recover. And it makes sense too, because he's, you know, his whole thing is like sometimes to win, you have to lose. And Damien chides him on that. But it, it was just such a fun issue. And like, I was just, it, it, I mean, yeah, I was just like, that's really all I have to say. Like this has just been so much fun. And like, I was totally smiling by the end when they all show up um, and uh, it, was, it was, the only thing I have to say is that, um, I, I like the art for most of the issue, but um, the problem, I just had one problem, and that was the way that 
dick is drawn at the end, it just looked really weird. Like his face yeah. looked so derpy, and like his body is all like fluffy. <laughs> I just, I, I was, it was very strange. Uh, but other than that, I didn't really have a problem. It's just that like one panel at the end, and all the other Robins look fine. It was just Nightwing for some reason. But um, <laughs> yeah, other than that, I, I, I had such a great time reading this issue, and I gave it an eight point five out of ten. Oh, yeah, dude, the art is wicked cool. And to me, it feels almost like it's a blend of the way modern comics are drawn with manga. Mm. And uh, I think it's really good. It's working for me. And the coloring is sweet, too. And, um, you know, yeah, Damien still has anger issues, but it seems as though his influence from Alfred Ravager and Ra's al Ghul, or I've been waiting a while to make this joke. <clears throat> He's a hippie farmer now, so it's race. It's all good. Yeah, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as Damien goes, I see him on a better path, and of course, he's getting on this case just as he's pulled away. Although she's never had the moniker when the Robins show up, I feel like Cassie should be included in the group of Robins, and Signal should be there too, whether or not him and Damien get along at all. But in any pay, in, in any case. I'm just I'm dying to know what happens on the next issue, man. Yeah, me too. Eight point seven five out of ten. It's like get your hooks in. You can't get it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every issue, this book finds new ways to keep you excited. It's just so much fun. And yeah, Corona's art flows so well. It's honestly one of the best things about this book. And the mm-hmm. story is fantastic too. So that's definitely saying something. It was For really sure. fun as well to see Rachel Ghoul in this way not just like a homicidal maniac almost yeah he's very uh yeah yeah, very zen like i said just super relaxed yeah no i don't think he's given up his super villain ways no he's just take that's why i was like he's just taking a break he's on vacation yeah yeah, which i love he's on a sabbatical yeah he's like you know what i just i need some time i need i need some me time and the idea of rachel ghoul like this crazy leader of the league of assassins having some Zen me time is just so great and so hilarious. Right? He's uh, like, I've I've lived to be over a thousand years old and I've conquered civilizations. I'm not allowed to go to the beach. I know. Like, yeah, man, <laughs> hey, do what you gotta do. I can't blame you for that. Right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, this this was a nine out of ten for me. It was just a great issue. Mm. Oh yeah. All right, next up we have Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom, uh, number three. Uh, Josh, tell us all about that one. I can do that. It was written by Brandon Easton with art by Fico Rosio and Renzi on the inside and on the outside by Unique Paquette and Nathan Fairbairn with lettering from Rob Lee. So the fight continues between Mr. Miracle and Never Free, while never free and her army of green liquid computer dudes the the fight carries over to an island where mr miracle and the mother box hacked into the green dudes and well they didn't realize that they were getting hacked back mm-hmm. never free whoops the snot out of mr miracle and leaves him crumpled on the ground bleeding begging for help after they've dis- disabled his mother box so why is all of this going on? When they connect the mother box and the computer clan, 
Mr. Miracle is shown a brief clip of a rebellion launched on her planet whose rebels flew flags with the face of Mr. Miracle on them. We've got no idea why or if she's even in the right universe attacking the right Mr. Miracle, but that's that's where we're at in the story. So this, this art, it fits the story so well, it makes it's so much easier to digest everything that happens in this book. Now, while my summary was quick, the read didn't feel that way. I'm not saying it dragged out. It just it felt like a regular good length issue. It was just real I guess it just pulled me in pretty good. Probably mm-hmm. the I think this may have been the most interesting issue so far in the series. And it's only number 3, but it's worth saying. Yeah. Um I I was assuming that the series would lead to a tie-in with the whole World World Saga thing that it's supposed to be a part of, but I guess we'll see if it's going to happen. Uh, you know, even if it doesn't, regardless, I like it. I gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, this this has been way better than I thought it would be. It's just been fun. Yeah, it's been a fun ride and and I can agree this is probably the best one so far, which makes me really excited for the next one. If the right. quality keeps getting up, issue mm-hmm. six is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this this right. is an eight out of ten for me. It was just a fun ride. And sorry, did you mention the? I don't know if I caught it. The uh, surprise character, Thaddeus Brown. No, the uh, other one. No, I didn't. Oh, okay, I will. Not. I left it out <laughs> on accident, though. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see Oberon again. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was that Heaven. was a nice surprise. I'm I'm happy he's back. Having Overon back, and then the next issue we're going to be exploring a Thaddeus Brown origin story. I'm interested to see what happens there and how much it's gonna piss people like Brandon off. <laughs> well, why would it piss me <laughs> off? Well, it made you made you a little mad that they retconned Mr. Miracle's uh, Shiloh Norman's. Oh, I, I like, assume I assume this is on it. like some a, you know a different Earth or something. So it's it's, it's not really that. I just I wasn't. I, I guess I wasn't sure at first, but it, it, it feels like this is you know different different reality. Um, I, I guess I just it didn't really click for me until this issue. I say I don't know. I feel like it is this reality. Because yeah, otherwise that 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 wouldn't even make sense with the other books that they're doing right now. I mean, you you got a point there. Yeah, and that would be some major editorial oversight that would need to be corrected if that were the case. So I I think I'm pretty sure that this is like mm. I think I think it's like um like crime syndicate. You know, like technically in the infinite frontier. You, multiverse just on a different earth you could be right yeah that that would be my guess um just so it's not i mean it's got what three issues left that is a little bit of time to make a whole lot of curve yeah but yeah other than that you know it's it's solid i gave it a a 7.75 out of 10 it's doing a a good job around and and the artwork is uh, as beautiful as ever that it is all right, are we ready for our next one? I believe so. All right. Next up, we have Batman Superman number 20. Rob, take it away. Will do. So this is from Gene Luen Yang on Writing Duty with arts by Ivan Reese, inks from Danny Mickey, colors from Sabine Rich, and letters from Saida Temafonte. 
So Superman, Batman, and company, the movie versions, not the real-life versions, are preparing their next move after Oterio. I still don't really know how to pronounce that. Oterio? Oterio? Yes, Oterio. I assume it's like... Like an author? Yeah, like, did you guys ever play, like, um, like, Slitherio? Slitherio. Yeah, I assume it's like that. Slither.io. Slither.io, Slitherio, however you want to say it. Whatever. So weird, but yeah, <laughs> him. Uh, he he vowed revenge against the world of tomorrow, and then he gets rescued by his archivists. The heroes make their way to the burn in reality that they came through and find the world of tomorrow thanks to Jimmy Olsen using his signal watch to call Superman as he and Lois are being attacked by the demon horde of hell led by Etrigan. While the heroes battle in Metropolis, Etrigan is looking for the most powerful weapon in the world and finds it at the Fortress of Solitude. For me, it's still a solid story. The art is still really good, and mm-hmm. that makes me so sad this book is ending soon. I know. I feel like it barely got a chance to really flourish, and we're not even done the first story arc yet. I can't even imagine what we would have had if it was able to keep going. Yeah, I feel like we would have gotten more, you know, creative story arcs like this, and, and maybe maybe we would have gone back to the archive of worlds, or maybe we'd have done something different. But I'm right there with you. It's it's such a bummer that this just super creative book just got canned. Yeah, but enjoy it while it's here, I guess. Yeah. Right. Well, this this what, was an eight out of ten for do? me. It was just. It was, it was fun. The art's good. The story's good. There's not much more to say apart from it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's like watching a movie or three at once. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was. I was surprised at how fast I got through this issue. And that's not to say it was short or it didn't have any substance. I was just, I was really into it. Um, to, almost to the point where, you know, I got to the end with Etrigan and uh, the Fortress of Solitude. And I was like sad. It's like, oh, it's over already? Ah, bummer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just like Rob said, it was just a lot of fun and the art from Yvonne and, and the others are just, just as great as usual. So I'll definitely be sad to see this book go. But like I said, you know, I'm going to try and enjoy it while it's here. So I gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. I gave it a 7 out of 10. And the only reason why I got that is because ultimately it it is a fun issue and Ivan Reyes' drawing is just awesome. But it it's just not important, and it's it is a fun ride. But I mean, it's a, it's a full price count book for really pretty art. But I mean, ultimately, it's something that that just doesn't matter. So it it's taken up space on my shelf. I get, yeah, I get, I can see that. I'm just, I guess, I'm just trying to. I know, like, it's in the grand scheme of things, probably not the most important book, but it's you know, it's kind of a fun side book especially for how many other books we have just focusing on the mythology of everything and it's um it's just nice to have something that's kind of off to the side and fun yeah like a diversion from the regular stuff and i suppose like if i didn't know that it was ending i'd probably not be so detached from it already mm. you know what i mean oh yeah but yeah I that's totally fair that, that's probably figuring into my attitude about it yeah right although i mean i don't I, i'd say it's probably a good thing that you do know it's ending because i know i'd be pissed if it was just like if i was waiting for issue 23 and it just never came it's like what the hell is going on there's a book i mean that that has happened in comics in the past yeah it's not been pleasant 
like oh, yeah. Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or shit, the, the the days before the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I get reminded of I think it was called the Twelve that short Marvel series from about ten years ago. Mm. That got to issue nine, and then three years later, issue ten came out. Oh, Jesus, that's gotta suck. Yeah, and by that point, nobody wow. cared. Yeah, was that <laughs> Jeff Johns writing it? <laughs> no, <laughs> that? Oh, that. probably. I don't even remember now. But... I think it was I think it's Straczynski, Marcus Straczynski. Might have been correctly. I don't even know now what the problem was. It just took forever to come out. Mm. Oh, yeah. I knew yeah. Jeff Johns didn't write it. It's just his his uh, publishing practice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he seems yeah. to be better now, at least. I mean, Three Jokers, it took forever to come out, but when it came out, it was there were no delays or anything like that. And um, That's true. I'm reading a, a series of image right now called Geiger that he's doing with Gary Frank. And I mean, knock oh, on yeah. wood, but all four issues have come out on time. It's incredible. Right. Um, and it's, it's a, well, I mean, there might be more coming soon, but they only have a six issue arc plan right now. And seemingly every issue has come out on time so we'll see if he can actually stick that publishers are going to be yeah that's that that's that's great now man but we're going to need uh we're going to need the whole run up front (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's probably why they're probably just like you need to have everything like in the can otherwise we can't can't touch it but speaking of super big things that are Digging into the mythology of the DC Universe, let's talk about Infinite Frontier number three. So, all right, everybody, it's time for our Infinite Frontier check-in, so let's go. This issue was brought to us by, uh, oh, wait, you guys all gave your scores, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, just making sure. Just blank for a second. I I mean, I gave mine, you gave yours, right? Right, Rob? I remember giving mine. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, this issue was brought to us by writer Joshua Williamson with art from Paul Pelletier, Jesus Marino, Tom Derenick, and Zermanico with inks from Norm Raymond, Norm Raymond, Raul Fernandez, Tom Derenick, and Zermanico with colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr. and letters from Tom Napolitano. So let's start with Alan Scott and Obsidian. After chasing down some foes and kicking major ass, they find their way to the Shade, who tells them that they should be looking not at the foes of the JSA, but the foes of the JSA's legacy. Obsidian knows exactly what he means, and they set off for Command D, which we should all remember from Final Crisis, as the testing site for the Apocalyptans, and is now owned by the DEO. Sentinel and Obsidian do some snooping and discover a transport ship in Command D, before being ambushed by Extract, uh, Agent Chase, and the rest of the DEO. On Earth-22, President Superman and Thomas Wayne catch some heat from Magog, who doesn't want any more multiversal trouble. Justice Incarnate shows up to assist them and find out more about the fragments of the exploded ship, yet Magog insists that they all leave. They're able to get some answers about the origin of the ship, but it seems that the multiverse is not quite as harmonious as they had hoped. Barry Allen, prisoner of the Psycho Pirate, runs after something, wishing to be the hero, but we're not quite sure what. Finally, let's check in on Roy Harper. What's he up to? Roy has been blasting off into space with his Black Lantern ring, seemingly controlled by Darkseid, but he's regained some control now and is trying to navigate himself. Eventually, he's picked up by a ship, the ship we saw in Command D, actually, and is introduced to an Agent Hammond, who plays nice with Roy at first, before revealing... 
he's actually a reborn, less ginormous head version of Hector Hammond from Green Lantern. Roy seems like he's outmatched, but someone else is causing trouble on the ship, or rather inside the ship, as they burst through the walls like the Kool-Aid Man. And in times of trouble, who else can you call but Infinity Incorporated? What an issue. Lots of, lots of stuff going on. Uh, lots of big reveals, lots of further mysteries, but uh, I have to say so a lot of fun. much to talk about. I know. Yeah. But you know what's so crazy? And Josh, I think you can probably relate to this as well. Never did I think, especially not in like 2018 or 2017, that I would be reading two books by Joshua Williamson in the same week and loving them as like my favorite books out of the entire week. It's so crazy. Oh, hell no. There's no way. Such a turnaround. I used to throw so much shade at him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he he got approximately... 45% 45% of the hate that I threw at Bendis. Uh, which it, is, I mean, that's quite a lot. That's man. quite a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know if I threw that much shade, but it's just, it's crazy how much he's turned around the past couple of years, at least for me. And he's oh, putting yeah. out some of the, I think, most entertaining and enjoyable books. So Infinite Frontier was just, it's it's such a great, like, explore, exploration series. I don't, I don't really know how to describe it, but. It's just looking in at all these different effects of, you know, the last big multiversal event and is also exploring a couple other mysteries and really focusing in on some characters. And it's just a lot of fun to read. And like, I just I just don't really have enough good stuff to say about it. And um, I, I definitely think that in this issue, if I can critique one thing, while I did enjoy most of the art, you could definitely tell that it wasn't quite white is seamless um there were definitely some points where it's like ooh, yeah these styles didn't really mesh quite as well but other than that i, I had no problems I'll give at you all that. yeah so i ended up giving this issue an 8.5 out of 10 like this and robin have just been so enjoyable and props to you josh you've been hitting it out of the park lately thank you well, not not. I mean, you too, Josh. <laughs> Joshua Williamson, but, but also also Josh from our podcast. You're great as well, uh, Brandon. I don't unless I missed it. Maybe I did, but I can't believe that you didn't mention the fact that they re- referred to the bleed, the space between worlds, like as in from Wildstorm. Oh yeah, no. I, yes, well, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I think that's been integrated for a, a little while now. But but yeah, I mean that was that was cool too, and. Um, Has it been? Yeah, I think they had the. If I remember, they've had the bleed and like, because there was like this whole one shot during Dark Knight's Metal where it's like Flash and Cyborg and Raven traveling on a ship through the bleed. Um, I think they even brought it in through like Final Crisis. Yeah, I think yeah they just kind of because I think it was one of those things where it was like that's so cool and the authority that they just kind of folded it in because they liked it because writers liked it. Um, makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. But um, yeah, like I said, like props to you, Josh. Both of you, you've been doing great work lately. Um, Josh with editing and Joshua Williamson with some really great work at DC. So um, keep it up. Like I said, I gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. He's saying that without knowing how long I've got to talk about this. One. Uh, all right. Go ahead. I- I just want, can we talk for a minute about? I'm excited Infinity Inc. is back, but the oh, cast yeah. list for Infinity Inc. 
Hell yes. It's very interesting. Because a lot awesome. of these characters, as far as we know, haven't existed in this continuity yet. Yeah, or have been dead, I think. Yeah. Power Girl, Jade, Adam Smasher, Wildcat 2.0, and Damage. Yeah. Who is the, that's the, he's the son of the original Adam Smasher. Yeah, but as I remember, that Wildcat, the female version of Wildcat, died. So I think she's, like, back from the dead now. I'm pretty sure Damage did as well. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's right, yeah. Damage died during um, Blackest Night, I think. Uh, I don't remember. No, he wasn't out around Blackest Night. I think he did. Didn't no damage came out when Sideways came out, right? No, no, no. I said he died during Blackest Night. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, th- I think it was. Pretty sure it was. But. Well, there was, there was a damage book during that that eight issue that eight book like the same time Sideways came out, but I think that was a different damage. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that? I didn't. I didn't read it. Maybe, but not like the damage. No, I didn't oh yeah, no, no. That was like a, that was like the um, Hulk like knockoff. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I've read Blackest Night so many times, and I know he was part of it, but I can't remember if he was a Black Lantern or if he was dealing with a Black Lantern. I think he might have got his Everybody was a Black Lantern. Yeah, I remember him dying and then becoming a Black Lantern. Adam Smasher came back as a Black Lantern and tore his heart out. Yeah. Hey, you you guys, (laughs) Rob, you brought up the lineup, so can can I just share this fun fact with you guys? Power Girl, also known as Kara Zor-El or Karen Starr, mm-hmm. made her first appearance in All-Star Comics in number 58 uh, in 1976 as the co- cousin of Superman from Earth 2, stranded in the main DC Comics universe. That's who Power Girl is. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths eliminated Earth 2, and then she became the granddaughter of an Atlantean sorcerer. It's been a little crazy. Infinite Crisis... Restored her to a refugee of Krypton, but f- her, so her con- long story short, her continuity has been all over the place. But the one thing that has always remained at all times has been the controversy of her boob window. Now this is something that <laughs> oh, okay, uh, I, I didn't know we something... were going there on our fun family friendly <laughs> podcast. But listen, <laughs> family friendly. We dropped the F bomb. <laughs> so listen, this is this this made me laugh. Uh, Our girl's co-creator Wally Woods artwork showed her as a relatively busty, but otherwise her figure and build conformed in appearance to other contemporary comic book women at the time. Over time, that would no longer be the case, and the keyhole cutout opening in the chest of her costume grew and grew. Later, Power Girl writer Jimmy Palmiotti would state, when the character was created, Wally Wood was the artist that drew Power Girl, and he was convinced that the editors were not paying attention to anything he did. So his inker said, every issue, I'm going to draw her boobs bigger until they notice it. It took seven or eight issues before anyone was like, hey, what's with the tits? And that's where they stopped. True story. That is a uh, quote wow. directly from Jimmy Palmiotti. I guess that's... Who, by the way, he, he offered to buy the rights to Power Girl if they didn't want to uh, make stories about her. He said he would. Yeah. Well, that's somebody that really gives I, I can believe that because, I mean, Wally Wood drew a book called Canon. If you've ever seen Canon, it's, it's, I'm 
doubt people have read it. It's like really hard to find, but if you've ever looked up, yeah, if you've ever looked up pictures of canon, you can literally just look up Wally Wood women canon. It's like, well, basically, if you can imagine what he was doing with Power Girl and the story Josh just told, just imagine that with like five more women, except they're entirely naked the whole time, and that's the story. <laughs> um, so yeah, I can I can believe that story, but. Anyway, let's get back to Infinite Frontier. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> a fun I little just, anecdote. I, yeah, I, I read that story today. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Good yeah, job. I'm excited about Infinite Incorporated 2. Um, I guess Infinity Incorporated 2.0. The, the whole book looks great and continues to be a really good story. I can't wait for the rest. Um Something else I put together, and I don't know if you guys want me to go through the whole thing, was there is uh, the questions that get asked that are on his tablet, Director Bones, at the end of every issue. Every week they change. And there's a lot of questions. Dude, it is. Yeah, so I'm not going to go through them all, but there's a hell of a list. You can probably Google it, anybody out there that wants to see what it is. But it, it is forcing me to think a lot about what could possibly happen because the the questions are very targeted mm. and i think i hear an echo man i hope i'm not that loud in none of y'all's ears i don't think so all right okay but anyway all right so i won't read the questions go google mm. them but uh <laughs> it's it's pretty awesome book man 8.5 out of 10 Nice. Yeah, it, it's just a fantastic ride so far. And I, as a Green Lantern fan, I'm speaking from that perspective. I was really excited to see Hector Hammond as just a normal guy. And it's making me wonder how many other like small changes are going to be made in the DC universe that just pass people by. And because that's honestly a huge change. He's had a giant head forever. Yeah. And now he's he's normal again, and for some reason, being the captain of an intergalactic spaceship that takes in dead people, <laughs> like how many changes are going to happen? It's wild. This this is a nine out of ten for me, and I'm gonna quote you, Brandon. Probably nine point five on a good day. <laughs> oh, it's <God. laughs> just been so good so far, and I'm so excited to see where this goes. Yeah, it really has, it really has. You know, that very reason that you mentioned is why I'm so excited about what they're doing to Mr. Miracle, because I feel like it could really change things. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. (laughs) Same thing here. So many ways it can go. I I do have one theory, though, and this is just based on the short bit we got with Barry Allen. I think he's going to die again by the end of this. I mean, we have Wally as the Flash now. Bart they, is back. They, they can't kill off Barry Allen. He's got a big TV show on the CW. Uh, that, that doesn't matter. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, yeah. We don't. It's like probably going to end that. soon anyway. Yeah, that show will never end. end. Season. I, I don't know. That's I don't watch it, but it, it probably <laughs> never will. I, I just I see like an article on like Newsarama, and they're like season twelve. I'm like, holy crap, it's still going. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's been a journey. But yeah, I, I think season 12. maybe it's possible he could be killed off for plot device. Mm. I don't know. I could be wrong, but it just looks like it's <laughs> in that direction. 
Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. See, I, I thought that we were going to have an Earth Flash and a Space Flash. Mm. Which would be awesome. But how do you run in space? You can't even scream. Yeah. He's done it before. Yeah. They go to different planets and shit. And you know what? When he, he they've got Green Lanterns, dude. That's like space super. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, I guess technically, what, there's this character Space Cabby that probably be more oh, like God. the space taxi space service. But <laughs> space Uber sounds go. like Space Uber sounds like a good uh, good investment opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should get uh, the Green Lantern Corps on that or something, or, or some some sure. some like greedy like space character like uh. Not- you need to give it to the Landron Corps. They they got some rebuilding to do. You no, know, you need someone sleazier than that. Someone who really just wants to take advantage of it for like money. But I don't know any like characters who are all the like sleazy like space characters I know are from Marvel. I don't know any DC ones except Lobo, but he doesn't strike me as the, the enterprising type. Sleaziest <laughs> DC character to run that is the Guardians because you know they need to rebuild Oa oh, they broke that would be a story right? the Guardians so, I mean, to get the money point. to pay the builders they just <laughs> run in a space Uber oh, God. and they're putting Space Cabby out of business so then there's a revolt and Space Cabby's going to fight the Green Lanterns and it's there's your six issue story right oh my God. That's, that's what happened to the battery it sounds like a Chip Zdarsky story they drove a cab into the battery. That's what happened. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it was God. like, yeah, somebody that looked just like Bruce Willis. Yeah. The Kaye. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, we'll be back to cover the rest of the issues right after this commercial break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. And we're back. Hope that wasn't too horrible. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. Next up, we're going to be looking at the Batman Secret Files issue featuring Huntress. So, Josh, I'll let you talk about that one. With pleasure. Written by Mariko Tamaki with interior art from David Latham and Trish Mulvihill, Rob Lee on letters, and a cover by Irvin Rodriguez. And just wow, what an awesome cover. I know, right? Um, are you familiar with this guy? Uh, only in that he did the covers to Robin Eternal for Future State. Other than that, I, I don't know anything else. Oh, uh, those were pretty damn good, too. Yeah. But I like how this is tied into the current events, and it gives me hope that all of them will be, which makes for better reading, in my opinion. Plus, I want to find out what happened to, um, you know, the story going on. And I think it'll be continued. But anyway, this is where we start. Helena is left the hospital as soon as she could stand up without throwing up, stealing Dub Donovan's coat to do so. They both have had the parasite successfully removed. Now, what happens in the story is basically the big bang of a long-winded winding setup of Hugo Vile. Huntress is free of the parasite, but fully... No, not really. Um, she's tracking down the people who are infected, and she's able to do it because she has a connection to Vile that allows her to see what her what his puppets see. She doesn't understand what it is or why she can do it, but now that looks like it's going to be her mission to take down Vile and his garbage pail kids. So, that was funny. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds cool to me. Uh, just don't drag it out too long. 
you know, I want to see her last pass this story arc too. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Anyway, she doesn't get to go after it for very long because she's pulled off with a more pressing concern. There's a bit of a bomb at the end that I don't really understand. It's it's continuing over into detective into detective ten forty one. So I I don't get it, but like out of nowhere, she's sitting there going over the facts. And then she goes, boom. Oh, shit, Batman's infected. Yeah, I, like, think, I, they, I, I think they might have screwed up a little because I assume that this is a plot point that's going to happen in 1041, but they kind of just like gave it to us in an issue that's coming out like two weeks earlier. I don't know why they would do that, but... Accidental tip of the hat. Yeah. Maybe from when the issues were supposed to be released on the same week. Maybe. But yeah, it feels like this should have come after 1041, just so you would have the context for that. Right. But um, the art man in this, and the interior art anyway, there were real hard lines, but it looks super good. I liked it a lot. One complaint, really the only one that I had, is that the green stuff art, the goo, the worms coming out of the eyes, I wish, I wish that somebody else handled that. It wasn't horrible, but I feel like a stark contrast in the art laid over the art style that was used in the rest of the issue would have sold this phenomenally and made it look way better, too. Um, but anyway, 8 out of 10. This was... I enjoyed it. It was great. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a really, really solid one, and, and I, you know, I've been thinking that Mariko Tamaki had been doing some great stuff with Huntress, and this just kind of yeah. furthered that. It's just a really solid story. Definitely a quick read, but like I was having a lot of fun just going through it. And um, I'm a sucker for David Latham's art. He's just so great. Um, so seeing him draw, you know, anything in any capacity, especially something like you know Huntress and Gotham City, it was just a lot of a lot of fun to see, and um, it's just really cool. So yeah, I, I gave this one an eight point two five out of ten. Just a really solid, satisfying read. Hi. I really hope we get more Huntress when this is all over. She's just a fantastic character that's underutilized. Yeah. And Mariko Tamaki, I think, has found a great voice for her. Wait, what were you going to say, Josh? I said you can say that again. Oh, no. I think, were you going to say something before? Or? No. Okay. That's it. All right. Um, yeah. So I, I really hope that this... And I've said before, Detective Comics does not just have to be a Batman book. <laughs> if, if ever they want to just give Bruce a, a night off. Just let Huntress take the book for a couple issues and, and you have a great detective mm-hmm. right there. I really wish they'd use some of these characters a bit more. There's no reason. And maybe I'm just a sucker for uh, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. But if you if <laughs> you have the Huntress and the question in a book together, I'm sold. That's awesome. Yeah. I love them characters together and I never really watched that cartoon. Oh man. They're a really if, good pairing. If if you are an OTP fair pairing of them, then then you will love that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. throw uh, in Batwoman, man, and I think you got a title that could run for at least twelve issues. Oh, definitely, that'd be amazing. Yeah, there's, there's so many great detectives that they just forget about and just have. You know, Batman, he's the world's greatest. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's what? like. Hey? Go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I think it's like Flash being the fastest man alive. He's mm. just not. There's so <laughs> many others that are better. 
Yeah. Well, I think I think that's a kind of a really cool idea. Well, I think you could do something really cool with that idea of having like a revolving cast of detectives in Gotham City. Because I I was thinking something like you could have like a, a twelve issue arc or a big twelve issue story, and each issue features a different Gotham City detective basically working towards one overarching mystery. And I'm sure they've done something like that before, but it just be like a really great way to showcase you know, how each one of them applies their skills. Yeah, and they wouldn't even have to stick to the one story, of per, you know, the one story uh, gimmick. They could stretch it out to three or six or whatever they needed to. Mm. But, I, dude, I think I'm just sitting here thinking a Batwoman, Huntress, and Renee Montoya book that was done, like, in the style of Daredevil would oh, be... Man really really cool that would be amazing like you know street level i know brandon hates this word but gritty (laughs) i don't hate the word just like when it's (laughs) when it's not overused sleuthy story with those three that would be sick Mm. yeah it definitely would be and so many hopes now maybe one day maybe maybe one you could do like a um, like Marvel had the Marvel Knights book where it was just like all the street level characters. You could do something like that with the yeah. Bat characters. I guess it's technically Urban Legends, or I know they had um uh, kind of yeah yeah they had Gotham Knights back in the day. But you could always have one of those. It's yeah. cool. Um, anyway, yeah. next up we have Superman, Son of Kal-El, the big debut of John Kent's time as Superman. So I'm going to let Rob take care of that one for us. All right. I feel like I need to say, is it really? <laughs> well, you know, he's, uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't. Yeah, well, we'll get into it. It's like current time debut yeah. as Superman. Yeah. Yeah. So this is from the legendary Tom Taylor. Uh-huh. We love you, Tom. His his what? eminence, as Josh called him it's... last <laughs> issue, apparently he's the Pope yes. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with art by John Timms, colors from Gabe Eltreb, and letters from Dave Sharp. So in the very first, the premiere issue, we see John taking on a forest fire that's described as a once-in-a-hundred-year fire by local firefighters. Investigating it further, he finds the source, a man that's literally on fire, and he cannot control it. The army is there and firing bullets towards him, but John puts a stop to that, and so did the fire, because they just melted before they got anywhere. Getting closer, he scans the man and finds his powers might be controlled by his anxiety, and John gets the man to calm down and hands him over to the army, who then proceed to knock him unconscious so he cannot do any more harm. John felt very uneasy with that, and he still let them go anyway. He wasn't very happy about it, though. He really wasn't happy, no. And that unhappiness led him to go visit Damien, who then talks him through his troubles and leads him towards a group called The Truth, an underground stream devoted to reporting the things that others are afraid to. And quite honestly, this has been a great first issue. The only gripe I have is Damien looked... Like five years older. Like he's 
19. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. really weird. And even my internal voice for him was older just because the body looked older and it was driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just yeah. the artist just drew him as really tall and like his face yeah. looked older too. And it was just, just kind of off-putting. Yeah. Apart from that, though, it is I thought it was a great first issue. It really gets to the heart and soul of John Kent in a way. And I think Tom Taylor has a good voice with his iconic semi-background comedy that's just a one-liner and move on to the story. And it's it's really good. It's going to be a fun ride, I think. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's an 8.5 for me. Nice. Yeah, not just fun, dude, but interesting, too. Like, really interesting. I enjoyed the way that the beginning laid out how they were all friends and there for each other. John is coming into his own acting the way that Superman does, and then he talks to Damien, who gives him a pep talk that could be a bit proactive in its methodology. Now, that seems to have bolstered John a bit, but could that could it be a potentially bad way to handle things? It's likely this outlook that leads into John bottling Metropolis and Future State. Yeah. Possibly. But uh, fun times and a good setup, man. 8 out of 10. Yeah, no, this this issue also got an 8 out of 10 for me. Um, I I think I, I really enjoyed the setup. The, the biggest gripe I would say I, I had with this issue was that I feel like for it to really have landed for me as a, you know, a setup for this new status quo for John, I just wish it had been a little longer. Is it? I don't know if you guys felt this. Maybe not, but for me at least, it just kind of felt like you know John dispatches it the was fire. Short. Yeah, John dispatches the fire, talks to Damien, and and I feel like I, I wish I could have had a little bit more of like you know John is maybe finding his place, you know, his own like fortress of solitude type place, or just really kind of you know establishing his own thing. Whereas this just kind of felt more of like a almost like a one shot, not not necessarily. A lot of setup there is setup for sure but just maybe not as much as as i would have liked for a really you know bombastic first issue but other than that tom taylor gets in does what he usually does and, and really nails the voices especially john um and damien and i love the opening scene with you know the justice league and um how they really care for superman so you know good stuff there just i, I wish it had been a little longer um Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. It felt mm-hmm. like we could have had easily another six pages. Oh yeah, for sure. I was actually thinking like a another conversation. Yeah, and... ten pages. Like I I would have gladly oh, God, taken yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Oh yeah. All right. For our last title this week, we have Teen Titans Academy number five. Josh, take it away, my friend. Absolutely kind, sir. Written by Tim Sheridan with art from Steve Lieber and Dave Stewart. Letters from Rob Lee. Wrapped in a cover from Rafa Sandoval and Alejandro Sanchez, a.k.a. Mr. Perfect Colors every single time. (laughs) (laughs) This issue is a trip through the origin story of of the Bat Pack, excuse me, made of Chupacabra, Brat Girl, and Mega They came from an org... They came from an orphanage that was selling kids for science experiments getting injected with a variation of the Mambat Serum, which is how we got Chupacabra. Nightwing shows up to save the kids from the scientist who is also transforming himself into a bat, though more like Mambat style, and Nightwing is able to take him down by using a dog whistle. 
After the orphanage was shut down, Nightwing offers the trio a shot at the Teen Titans Academy. So, um, Red X, if you remember, promised that he would show them his identity if they shared a story. And he did, though we did not get to see it. He's recognizable, though, right? Judging from the Bat-Pat's reaction of, no way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so they could tell who he was. Red X leaves just as Nightwing gets there and brings the pack onto the roof where they are celebrating the end of their first term. The panels in this book are sick, my dudes. I, I loved how the flashback is wrapped in the word flashback going all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> the writing is great, too. Um, why does Nightwing need a dog whistle? Have a dog? Uh, no, but I could. Maybe someday. Who knows? I, th I thought that was great. Um, Red X and his secret identity is making me angry because I can't figure it out. Yeah. But what kind of clues have we gotten? Red X can take down the entire Suicide Squad single-handedly. They make Waller nervous. They're recognizable by face, though we don't know if there was another mask under the Red X mask. Mm. Could go that way, too. And this seems personal between Red X and Nightwing. So please tell me one of you guys have at least an inkling as to who Red X is. No idea. We've had a lot of guesses, but I still yeah. feel Damn like it. we're no closer. Honestly, all of them are wrong. Yeah, because <laughs> they've gone <laughs> in so many different directions, and I just every time I think about somebody it could be, I think back to the yearbook issue where we got the backstory for Red X, and they were also an orphan that was being like the kids were being sold for mm. drug money or whatever. And yep. That, so it's not Damien. It's not Tim. It if it is a Robin, it could be Jason. It looks a little too young to be Jason. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's, that's exactly it. That's the thing. Mm. And would Chupacabra recognize Jason? Yeah, I don't know. Good question. The only other person that we could think of that was an orphan that we know is in the academy is mm. Billy, but Billy's got his own shit going on. Shazam, right now. Yeah. I don't know, it's hard to say. Yeah. But yeah, it is. uh it's it's a little weird that we're at issue five and they're already going on to summer break. It just makes you wonder how long the term is. I would have thought it would have at least been twelve issues before we get, you know, a you know, a summer break, but it feels like they're moving Looks along. Looks like the fast. term is about five months, man. I, I guess so. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. uh, they got summer break and um I believe that's because we're going to be swinging into a different Titans title temporarily. Hmm. Okay. I could be wrong, but I think that <laughs> but I think it's going to change to like Titans United or something along those lines. I thought that was a, for a little bit. separate book, but Maybe, I, you you might be right. I'm I'm speculating here, but uh, yeah. just because I didn't see TTA coming out for a while. Yeah. But. Dude, this is, it looks great. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Even the backpack are growing on me. I wasn't sure now, but yeah, now no, I'm okay. This one got an 8 out of 10. Yeah, this one was, you know, solid. I think I definitely, the star of the show is Steve Lieber, who's great, and his art oh, has yeah. a lot of comedy, and it just it just works so well in, in you know, comedic settings. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it was just kind of a solid issue for me, just looking at the bat pack. So um, I gave this one a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I love the bat pack. I think they're, they're great characters. Maybe, if they're popular enough, could also be side characters in Detective Comics one day. Who knows? Or Nightwing. But yeah, I... Eh? Or a Nightwing. Yeah. Don't or we do the rotating know. cast in Detective Comics and they do the backup every month. <sighs> oh, yeah. And they could be like just pretending or trying to solve the same mystery that was just solved in the main story, but in their own <laughs> kind funny. of comedic fashion. That'd be great. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can agree that yes. it did feel like the first, I thought it was semester, but the first term did go by a bit fast. But yeah, the pacing in the book. It has been a little off, but I'm still loving it. And this is a 7.75 for me. It's still a fun read, but yeah, the, the Red X mystery is getting old. <laughs> I, it's been going on since January, I think. Something too like long. That. Yeah, too long. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just not, it's not annoying me. It's just not knowing who it is is bothering the yeah, shit out of me. It was. For me, it's definitely starting to get a little annoying because it's kind of just like, all right, how, how long are we going to tease this out? Because it's yeah. almost like usurping the main story. It basically is the main story at this point, just trying to solve who Red X is and just like, all right, let's 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 arrive somewhere, please. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Now that that's done, let's break down our top three books for this week and a standout moment if you have one. So, Josh, do you want to kick it off? I can do that. My number three is Mr. Miracle. It looks like we're going to be clarifying the timeline and the history of Mr. Miracle while having some fun with it. The murkiness has always kind of just been there, and it's nice, at least to me, to see it wiped away. Number two, Infant Frontier. This is, so far anyway, this is the best event I've read coming out of DC in a long time. Now, that's red. Looked at, I don't know, I'm a Greg Capullo junkie, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it looks just, it looks beautiful too, man. Now, uh, my number one went to Robin. It looks friggin' amazing. And while finally crawling, I mean, not crawling, but like going through a bit of development slowly with Damien, finally that he's becoming more than just a petulant child. And it's about Tam time because he's a goddamn super son, and that means he'll be better than his dad, too. Oh, <laughs> yes. uh, man. And uh, my favorite moment is going to be seeing the uh, Infinite Incorporated. That was cool as hell. Awesome, awesome. Rob, how about you? Mine is very similar, but my, my number three is going to Son of Kal-El. I said it before it's a fantastic first issue and i'm so excited to see tom taylor's voice for john that's not surrounded by zombies <laughs> it was uh, real right. tough for me man to to not put that in there yeah to ignore the eminence and not put him in the type three that, 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 I, I, I felt wrong <laughs> ah, doing that you're gonna be excommunicated from the church of tom taylor <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's so much we could work on with that. Uh, um, <laughs> so number two. How about is, getting creepy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so number two is Infinite Frontier. It's It's been a blast. And for an event book, it's probably one of the best event books ever in a long time. And time. number one is Robin. 
it's again no just a fantastic ride. Yeah, it's and yeah, my top two books are Joshua Williamson books. Yeah, fucking weird. That's a very so strange, but in a very, good very way. I'm, I'm a, it's a very, very good surprise. Yeah, no, I think these past two books are awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. considering he's pretty much got the keys of the kingdom right now with Infinite oh, Frontier. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's I'm, good. I'm glad we're liking it. Yes, it's good. It's good that that we can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my top three are, are very similar to to you guys's, except that number three, I had Detective Comics 1040. Um, I just thought this was a really, like I said, solid, you know, setup issue, um, and I'm, I'm interested to see where the where it goes from here. Um, but in number two, I had Infinite Frontier. Number three, and at number one, I had Robin. Number four, I just had to give it to Robin. Like it was just seriously, like I I know I said it a lot, but it, it's just such a fun book, and like every month that I get to read it, it just like puts a smile on my face because it's just. It's just fun, really. Like I, I, I feel like I need better words to use for the book. Um, but uh, yeah. See, for a second, when you got to number one, mm-hmm. you said number one, Robin. Number four, I thought you're gonna like go through another list and just like rank every <laughs> book we just talked about. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I mean, I'd love to, but uh, we don't want to. We want to bore our audience too much. But my favorite moment uh, still has to go to panel of dan mora drawing the classic you know blue and and yellow bat suit um and he's punching the joker it's just so gorgeous looking and, and dan mora is just pretty incredible. cool man um but while we enjoy a lot of books here there are some books that we do not enjoy as much you know what it's time for it's time for the biggest thinker Oh, that's nasty. So, which title made your stink list today, guys? This is a, a, a tough one. I had two books scored the same in the bottom two, and I did not hate either one. Mm-hmm. But, oh, God. I'm honestly, I might switch it if only for Josh bringing up Garbage Pail Kids. <laughs> Huntress is no longer the biggest stinker. This time, it's TTA. <laughs> Which kind of hurts because I love the bad pack. It, uh, it's it. They're they're pumping out so many good books right now. It's it's hard, or at least the ones we're talking about anyway. It's it's hard to pick a biggest sneaker. So TTA right now, it's you. It makes it a little bit harder to pick the biggest sneaker when we've got the dump list on here now too, right? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, my uh, my deal is Batman, uh, Batman, Superman. And um, not that it's not gorgeous. Um, Ivan Reyes is one of my favorite people on Earth to draw Superman. But, you know, it's, it, it is what it is, man. It's just, it's inconsequential, and I'm not attached to it anymore because I know there's an end to the line. So, unfortunately, y'all ended up there. Yeah, my biggest thinker this week has to go to Teen Titans Academy, which by no means is a bad issue. Had some great art from Steve Lieber and is, you know, solid all around, just not really mm-hmm. outstanding in any way and just just kind of there for me. And uh, like I said, the Red X mystery is starting to get a bit annoying. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that that can be resolved soon so it doesn't get seriously frustrating. All right, guys, any final thoughts? Nope, that's it. That's it. 
And that's the show. We hope you had fun. We definitely did. Come back next week for more DC Comics talk when we'll be reviewing Suicide Squad number six, Green Lantern number five, Crime Syndicate number six, Suicide Squad, Get Joker number one, Crush and Lobo number three, Swamp Thing number six, and Batman number 111. We'll be here talking comics and we hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. With that, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Shut up,